follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. Let's talk about our childhood a little bit. Oh, God. You said you want to talk about your crazy, awful mother. Yeah, my mom was nuts. Literally Um, nuts. So we're talking about this today because, holy shit, if I am not the way I am because of the way my parents raised me. Absolutely. Um, And personality traits, you know, that whole, I'm not going to even try to do the nature versus nurture argument, but let's focus on the nurture this episode. Mm. Um, People are complicated, but I know that when I was walking through the grocery store a couple of weeks ago and I was having a really stressful, shitty day and the lady working said, pardon me, ma'am, how do you feel about your insurance com- or your, um, how do you feel about your internet provider? And I looked at her and I said, I hate them all. It's a fucking scam. But it, <laughs> it's true, though. It's actually. true. But I knew immediately after I said that and the look on her face that she was just doing her job. And I felt like a shit. And I said, I'm sorry. And then I walked away shaking my head to myself saying, that was my father. That was my father coming out. There he is. <laughs> so let's not ignore the fact that a lot of us are still trying to comb through the ways we are. Uh, because of the people who raised us you know I took um when I started college and I was trying many years ago and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do there was um my dad really wanted me to be a nurse so I took a lot of the prerequisites for the nursing program and one of those was um a class you had to take called it was like psychology of human development mm-hmm. and it was all about attachment theory and like all these things and it was such a fucking traumatic I know there's like the cliche about like you take a psychology class and it's just like free <laughs> therapy or whatever like so Blows I didn't your really mind open tried not to talk about it in class so there's like nothing worse than people that are talking about their shit in the middle of lecture oh, God. but um it was so deeply triggering so it's like cool like my mom didn't breastfeed me my mom like left me when I was young like all these things I'm like no wonder I have these oh no you know just like all these things I was like oh my god you know is that where they drill into your head like all the problems that could be wrong with you because you didn't receive breast I hate that I mean yeah well or little things so when they're talking about like if the mother's really stressed like yeah like how much like when you're an infant that these things I think there's a common like fallacy that people think that, oh, like, you you know, you're an infant, so you won't remember the bad things that happened to you. But like chemically, you're shaped by these, mm-hmm. like by stressful events and stressful people and your mother being under stress. Like even, you know, and my mom is a very unhappy, fucked up person and was like going through a really intense spell of it and not managing it well yeah so especially when i was like very very young before she just fucking left us oh my god um so i'm like oh my god no wonder i have so many trust issues abandonment issues all sorts of issues yeah so 
Ugh, so yay. yay let's dive in <laughs> um so it can be challenging to be in a relationship with a person when one of you has like complex traumatic issues that have impacted your life and the other one maybe doesn't i mean again it's it's like it, there isn't there is no traumatized person versus untraumatized person you know but there's definitely people who when you meet them you're like oh <laughs> like you haven't suffered like <laughs> right or like your family always had food on the table yeah, or your and, parents and were together nice and loved to each you other and, and yeah. yeah nobody you trusted like totally invalidated and hurt you you know like in a major way um anyway so yeah if if anyone's been listening to this show long enough we've talked about like enough of our shit you guys know and, and you're probably imagining where you're coming from right now but i want to say how this kicked this off so i posted something on instagram a couple weeks ago and honestly i was just having a bit of a manic spell and i don't even remember what pissed me off about it i think i saw another article about um spanking and i read the comments and so I just made this little media sign uh, and it said, the way you touch your kids and the way you respect their no, yes, teaches them what they should expect and find acceptable in their other play companions. Uh, so kids who experience familial violence are more likely to experience and stay in partner violence because it seems normal. Don't spank your kids. Don't hit them when you're angry. Don't force touch. And I, as a parent, I have to mandate touch sometimes for health and safety reasons. Like, you have to hold my hand because we are crossing the street and I know you don't want me to touch you right now, but I don't want you to get hit by a car. You know, like... Well, then you explain you exactly. know, the purpose. Right. Or, I know you don't want me to wipe your butt, but I have to wipe your butt properly because you'll get a rash and get poop in your underwear if, you, if I don't. Like, explain. So my child feels safe and respected and they can rely on communication. This is normal for her, normalized. And then she grows up into a world and is more quickly able to identify people who push those boundaries. They lie, hit her. She thinks, well, that's weird. I'm not used to that. So if you want sex positive children, think of the things you grew up with that first of all didn't make sense or shamed and hurt you and do them differently. Or did you grow up in the kind of in your household where you did you grow up in one of those respect your elders um, that was that was said yeah that was I definitely was. said i mm -hmm. was always you don't talk back to grown-ups mm, um like regardless of whatever regardless of whatever of and why. um yeah and i i feel like that had a similar like i didn't come from a real touchy-feely family so i've never been that comfortable with touch but i think that that being having it drilled into my head like it was a big deal for me to talk back to grown. That was how I rebelled eventually when I was a teenager. I was like, fuck you to everybody. But I've always had, you know, a hard time asserting myself around like authoritative figures, mm -hmm. like in my personal relationships or maybe in like work relationships. And I wonder if that like stems back Ooh, to could. being young, you know, this fear of like talking back or, you know, Mm-hmm. So there's still people that might be thinking about what I just said about the parenting kid thing. So yeah. in terms of consent for kids, we talk a lot on this show about how we don't understand it. Like culturally, a lot of us have a hard time because first of all, we don't respect consent of children quite often. So how many of you ever, I had people give me feedback on that on that post by the way like I never expected I had a couple of people say that they had been held down and tickled until they wet themselves oh. 
in like front of other one woman said this was done to me by my mom's boyfriend when I was a child in front of like other adults I still can't be tickled by my husband to this day you know Mm. like (laughs) so my kid is six what a fucking glorious coming of age time um and I remember being in that age so I'm I'm looking for things I'm looking for body awareness and looking for like different social roles forming um uh (laughs) so she told me on the drive home last week she said mommy when we get home can we do lots and lots of tickling and I said yeah we can do lots and lots of tickling and I ding light bulb went off I said (laughs) I said how about we'll do lots and lots of tickling and we'll have a code word for when you want me to actually stop tickling you because sometimes, you know, if you say no, I don't really know if you're pretending. And she's like, okay, ooh, a code word. That sounds fun. So I'm like, what kind of, what word do you want? You have to pick one that you wouldn't normally say when I'm tickling you. So she says unicorn. And I'm like, mm, honey, you talk about unicorns all the time. We're not going to use a unicorn. It has to be something you wouldn't usually say in play. She says, how about poodle? And she doesn't call the dog poodle. Okay. I do. So I'm like, that's great. So we get home. She now has a safe word. So I'm tickling her, tickling her. She's like, no, ha, ha, no. I said, do you actually want me to stop? She goes, poodle, poodle. It's like, okay. She got it immediately. Next time she goes, ha, 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 poodle, poodle. And I stop. So that was like what I say a week ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, it's so fucking cool because she figured it out immediately. She loves it and she's asked for it again. She's like, can we play lots and lots of tickling and I'll say poodle again when I want you to actually stop? I'm like, yes. Oh, so holy shit. And I don't spank her, by the way. Um, I've had it also in the last couple of weeks when she can sense I'm getting angry because she's not listening to me because again, her frontal lobe, lobe is developing. So she's starting to like make little stories in her mind and want to do her own thing when I'm talking. So she sees me getting angry and she goes, you're scaring me. She said that in the couple last couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, shit. OK. And I and I really I'm like, I never said that. I don't think to my dad, because I remember when my dad was scaring me, I would start crying and he would say, stop crying. Don't cry in front of me. So I never wanted to cry in front of him. Oh, I know crying now (laughs) anyway so the point is my child is getting better at communicating with me because she's not afraid to um and it's it's really hard because kids are fucking nuts like um the gross shit they do (laughs) she likes gargling water just to make noise i have like misophonia (laughs) okay that's like nails on a chalkboard to me so I told her we worked it out. She'll be like, mommy, can I go gargle water in the bathroom with the door closed? I say yes, because she wants to go make her noise and be disruptive. But we've worked out a way where she can do that. And she's six and like, oh, my God, there's so much shit we have to work on. But it's so cool just to see, like, if we want to be sex positive adults, how do we start that with kids? And in right. order to figure that out, how were we not respected as kids? So um, what else did your mom do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, gosh, um, I don't know. I, a lot of my mom's stuff had to do. I mean, for when my mom was like a really sick person, like she actually had like really, she was like really bipolar, like really was on lithium her whole life or, really? you know, Depakote or some like, okay, like diagnosed that and... was like very, very, very bad, like very extreme, like very up and down, like never knew where you stood with her. And, mm. um, yeah, I guess she just always like 
I don't know. I feel like so many of my issues, and I think so many other people's issues come down to shame. I've been thinking a lot about shame. I've been th- I think about shame a lot because so many of my clients, you know, that I speak to in my investigative work, I mean, can't really talk to me openly and honestly about their role in whatever situation it is they find themselves in because they're ashamed and while I understand at the same time I need you to be honest with me because I can't can't investigate your case thoroughly unless you tell me everything that actually happened you know like I need to know this stuff so I can help you Mm -hmm. Um, so you've been thinking a lot about shame I think a lot about shame and how it like the lengths that people will go to conceal who they are because they're ashamed of something they've done or Mm -hmm. they just are ashamed of themselves on the most base level and a lot of that I think does come from their parents and I know that like my mom instilled a deep sense of shame in me about who I was because she came from a lot of money and my she hated my father and my father did not have a lot of money so I was always Mm. always reminded that I was like the poor fat yokel really oh absolutely good lord But at the same time, like my dad, like my dad did his best, but my dad didn't know how to raise a little girl. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have like, so I could never like talk about sex. I mean, I was so horrified when I got my period. Like I didn't want to like talk about it or, and we weren't like a touchy family. So I still in that sense, like unintentionally got this like sense of shame from him mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's know? wild. It's also really hard to, I mean, I'm sorry, first of all, like, that's like, sounds pretty extreme. That's so toxic on your mom's side. Yeah. It was I think you up. turned out pretty darn good considering. It took a really long time. Damn, girl. It took a long time and I still struggle. Now I just know how to act normal <laughs> when I don't necessarily feel normal. And that's like half the battle is like, okay, I want to freak out and act out in this like strange way, but I know that's not appropriate to do in a courtroom or like, mm-hmm. you know, in line at the grocery store <laughs> or mm-hmm. like out at dinner. So well, I that's don't you not it. being your mother. Yeah. Right. That's you being like, don't don't perpetuate this i mean there's a certain point in time i think where you have to realize like you you come to this realization that like yes my parents your parents for what for better for meaning to or not fucked you up (laughs) and traumatized you or done all these things to you but there's a certain point in time where i just got tired of being angry about it and being like i'm fucked up and identifying as fucked up and was like okay that happened Mm -hmm. but i'm a grown-up now and like how mm-hmm. am I going to move forward mm-hmm. yeah. and not have that rule my future? Mm-hmm. And that's why we do our self-work. I'm going to have boyfriend on because he has plenty of his own shit. So there's some things that I've had to learn, like triggers that he has. Um, I definitely have. I don't like people coming up behind me and slapping me on the ass. That actually wasn't. That's like a separate issue. We're talking about trauma, but that didn't happen to me from family members. That was just like in general a work thing. I don't yeah. like people touching my neck. Mm. I do not like anyone touching my fucking neck. Mm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. it. Makes me really weirded out. Like I get panicky. Huh. So yeah, it. So it can be hard. And how do these traits and our belief and these like beliefs that they create, how do they, you know, inhibit our ability to exist or do sex work or date um, if we're, you know, feeling generalized anxiety or 
anger. Um, oh, a man looked at me when I was walking past him at the club. He was at the video lottery machine and he did the thing. Ew. Like, look me up and down. So uh, this, <laughs> the aspects of the way he looked and his background put me immediately back into being like a 13-year-old girl walking from the bus stop and hearing that mm. from men who looked like him with his background. So I immediately, what he didn't understand was it wasn't just him doing that. It was 20 a years. time of people, yeah. Of men who look like him doing that. So I'm like, what did you just do? You just smack your lips at me, and you should tell him he reminds you of Hannibal Lecter when he does that. <laughs> Remember, well, he's like, "I want to eat your liver with some fava beans," and he goes, "No." <laughs> so terrible. I started calling him out. I'm like, "Don't do that to people. That's gross." And so one of my dude friends actually started to come over. He's like, "Are you okay, L?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." I was like, "Trust me, men that like." Men his age have been making that noise at me since I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And I said that aloud and he was very uncomfortable um, and it felt so good. <laughs> but that was one of those things where I was like, I'm so full of rage, but it's not just this one instance. So it's like trauma exists and then you feel it and you see it. And so it can be good or bad. That worked out for me because I'm like, hey, any chance that I get to like scare scare somebody who just overstepped, might as well. <laughs> God, do they? Why the fuck do people do that shit? They think because I I've noticed that too. There's like, okay, have you ever had this happen to you at the club? Where there's always it's always like a really old guy like in his seventies, and you'll be dancing for him, and then he'll do that thing with his like, his tongue. He'll be like like that. <sighs> Yeah. Like, has he, where that's have you gotten thing. positive conditioning that, or positive reinforcement that that's something that women like to see and that that's like, like an attractive way to express your desire to it go is down typically... on somebody? Like, did somebody go, oh, yeah, I love it when you do that thing with your, like, you know, that Hannibal Lecter thing with your mouth? I just love it. Again with the Hannibal Lecter. Why the, yeah, because that's what it reminds me of every time it happens. I Maybe just go, you should do I just want to put a little muzzle on them and lock Hannibal them in a Lecter. cage far away from yeah, me. Yeah, that's what you should do. You should actually have, that would be like immersion therapy for you. Just, you can just get someone who wants to be Hannibal Lecter and you can just defile them. There you go. You'll work right through that. You'll feel much better. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I'm like, where did you learn that this is something that women like to fucking do? It's so weird. Or like that we respond to. It's same, I guess it's the same as people that scream out of you in cars. Like, did this ever work for you? Did this behavior It's not about that. It's about having that burst of energy and, and needing wanting to, to express to share it. Yeah, feeling so excited. You have to, you need to be heard. I must be heard. Oh, do you have any good work stories lately? <laughs> Gosh, I haven't been working that much. I've just started, maybe started back a little bit. Luckily, work has been good for me. Um, I'm so, I'm so much older and so much out of the drama that I don't really get bullied or picked on anymore. But there's been quite a lot of that going on amongst Mm -hmm. other girls at my club and we've finally gotten some new girls and that's really kind of rubbed some people the, the wrong, wrong way, way. and mm -hmm. we have one new girl that I worked with the other day who's so nice I'm like this girl is so what a nice girl like this is one we should want to keep around but of course she is getting bullied a bit mm -hmm. not as bad as some of the others and I had this revelation and I was talking about someone else about it that I'm like as a strategy 
you really should if you're if you need to pack up and get rid of people you can't blanket do it don't get rid of the nice girls Mm -mm. don't Mm -hmm. get rid of the nice girls Mm -hmm. because you know who sticks around are the ones that you really Mm -hmm. that really do rock the boat you got to pick and choose here Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh and also hey at this point look let's be honest if you're worried about being pushed out you should be really nice to the people that might push you out (laughs) because what's that saying uh be nice to the people you meet on the way up you'll meet them on the way down (laughs) Mm. i don't know why not uh but yeah luckily i don't know that's you know this shit does now i'm now the person at work that everybody comes to and tells me everything Ooh, so, how exciting i know that's exciting i um i do wish everybody would just get along though well, you know it would just can't things, we all just get along seriously though yeah you just need to make money that's all that matters yeah um what about you um let's see work you know stripper stuff I I sold a decent amount of porn a couple weeks ago. Uh, if people, so I have lstangerpdx at gmail is how I process those orders uh, because I lost a lot of ability to do so after FOSTA. I can't advertise that like I just signed up. Ooh, by the way, I just signed up to do phone sex. <laughs> fun yeah well if i can advertise it though that's the thing is i could post the link on instagram and let everybody know or i'll get my account shut down if i do that because i can't lead to adult Mm. content so we'll see if i can make any money even doing this but i'm really excited to try uh i think my name is l o l on there anywho email me i'll tell you my my member number um but I'm excited to do that. And I just realized like the more and more I interact in a sex work space and the more and more I plan to, um, I'm just constantly like looking for clues at the schoolyard when I drop my kid off and when I pick them up, like, because the way kids are really sets us up to understand how adults are. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. Strange Bedfellows is also brought to you by Black Bulb Podcast. If you've ever wondered about the deeper meaning behind some of today's art, why not hear from the artists themselves? Your hosts, Alex and Ben, collect influential artists of the West Coast to discover how they seek inspiration, how they handle mental health, and how to make a living as an artist in today's digital world. All discussed on Black Bulb Podcast. That's black like the color and bulb like a light bulb. Strange Bedfellows is sponsored in part by Comic Strip. 
This original Funhouse Lounge show is still the hottest ticket in town. Four of the best local and traveling comics take the stage and tell their jokes. And each time the strip master rings the bell, the comic must remove an article of clothing to continue their set. It's barely funny. Hosted by the talented, hot mess that is Chris Etrick. Comic Strip is every last Friday of every month at Funhouse Lounge, located in sexy Portland, Oregon. Visit purplepass.com slash comicstrip for discounted pre-sale tickets. The show is 21 plus and follow them on Instagram at comicstrippdx. Welcome back. It is time for Bad Bitches in History. So we're talking about parenting or kids stuff earlier. I wanted to focus on this person specifically for what they contributed to uh, these themes in terms of television and entertainment. Uh, do you know who Lucille Ball was? Oh my God. How could you not know who <laughs> Lucille Ball was? Well, a lot of people listening under the 30, younger than 30 oh might my not. Goodness. So you might. Nick at night? Come Nick on. Nick at night. I don't know. Do, is, does cable <laughs> exist? <laughs> uh, I Love Lucy. You might have seen that on late night reruns. So the redheaded actress Lucille Ball is best known for being on this television show. But did you know she was also part of a few big firsts for TV? She was born August 6th in 1911. Uh, in Jamestown, New York, and it, I guess she was a tomboy, and she loved roughhousing and playing with her father, an electrician. Uh, it's interesting they note that because her father died when she was very young. Uh, she was a performer her whole life, and it was actually in 1950 she had just started doing a radio program called My Favorite Husband. She'd actually already had an extensive performance background, although wasn't very popular. She'd appeared in about 75 films in the 1930s and 40s. So longtime performer, always in the background. Uh, CBS had a new show coming up, but they were balking at the idea of an interracial couple. 41-year-old Lucille Ball insisted that her true-life husband and performer, Desi Arnaz, play the role of her husband on the show. <laughs> but Lucille and Arnaz, they proved that audience wanted them by making a vaudeville act and taking it across the country. So CBS saw that there was a viability and some slight diversity. Uh, he was Cuban. Desi Arnaz was Cuban. This was before the U.S. stopped contact right. with Cuba, the embargo. Uh, fun fact, my grandparents actually honeymooned in cuba they're Ooh. now both deceased but that's how old they were i would love to go there <laughs> one day. so it was 1951 and this was well before the women's rights movement had happened uh and the real life couple was shown with separate beds in their bedroom if shown at all uh you might not know that this was standard practice in television for many years showing us two beds one for the husband and one for the wife in their bedroom even though this was never a cultural practice in america so i love lucy was a hit show and when real life lucille was real life pregnant with her second child cbs freaked out again at the idea of a pregnant woman in their programming so and she was the lead star of the show so the network mandated that her character to be referred to as expecting in all of the script 
the episode where she gives birth, which I've seen, and I actually teared up watching it because it was so fucked up of how the birthing process was at the time. Aww. The episode is called Sounds Lucy. Sounds like the birthing process is still fucked up. It sure can there, be. But... Yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, maybe a little. So the episode's called Lucy Goes to the Hospital. And in that episode, I remember she indicates to her uh, husband that her active labor has begun. Basically, when she sticks her head out, she comes out and tells Ricky, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that script was reviewed by a priest, a rabbi, and a minister to make sure it wasn't offensive. Lucy was never a sex symbol. Uh, she wasn't cool. She was a goofy, funny lady, and she was not typical of a big screen bombshell, but she was the first program. I Love Lucy was the first program to be modified for sitcom format for a live audience and for reruns, which changed TV and film forever. Uh, her daughter recalls her mother spending hours in front of the mirror making funny faces to practice her comedy. Lucille and her husband Desi created Desi Lou Productions, making Lucille the first female head of a big TV studio. Fun fact, she registered as a communist in the late 1950s. Oh, you go, Lucy! <laughs> uh, she said that she had registered in support of her socialist family member, a grandfather, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there was no proof of treason, but apparently the FBI monitored her until her death <laughs> or until after Jesus. her death. Uh, as television became more colorful and her marriage to Desi ended, she mothered two kids but was still a worldwide star for humor and funny faces. And she had a hand in producing Star Trek, the first one, not the next generation, <laughs> the Dick Van Dyke show, and even Mission Impossible. She was active in TV until she was in her 70s. So she was really the first funny housewife mommy working woman to exceed media expectations. And she did it by being herself and by pushing the envelope of modesty. So I remember watching that episode and the dad sits in the waiting room because the dad can't be in the birthing room. Oh, my God, it would traumatize him. Mm -hmm. That was standard practice. I mean, for still in some places, I think like, oh, my God, the birthing industry. Do <laughs> second season. Maybe we'll do an episode about that and have somebody come on <laughs> a good midwife. But um, yeah, hospitals really want to crank you out. Uh, as fast as they can and at the time also remember this was before they could determine the genitals of the infant so this was before the gender reveal came after the birth okay so it's you know more valuable to have a boy so everyone's kind of hoping for a boy anyway the real joy is it's the boy mm. <sighs> let's do some listener questions all right how can I become more sexually empowered as a straight woman? Because owning your urges is still taboo in 2019. So our audience, our largest audience is queer cis women, but that probably second, uh, our audience is probably mostly straight cis women. So this is a good question. <laughs> I guess what do you, I, I guess I'm curious about like what kind of urges we're talking about, like the urges for more partners for just getting more sex out of your partner or like asking for what you want out of your partner i wish i knew a little more i i do too but it's such a general question i guess maybe if you're someone and you're thinking of a thing you like maybe you want to play out a rape fantasy or you want your toes to be sucked or you want to pee on your partner or you want to be peed on you know and pick mm. your thing right pick your thing how do you own it <laughs> mm. um so there's a great workbook by Yana Talon Hicks and it's called Explicit Permission. 
I recommend you look up Yana Talon Hicks, uh, Y-A-N-A-T-A-L-L-O-N-H-I-C-K-S. She's a sex therapist in Massachusetts. She's lovely. I've met her. So she has this great workbook and it's something you actually write on. It's a little thing you can write into it, make notes. And she has these questions for uh, how do you determine... So how do you determine your boundaries and also how do you figure out how to communicate your desires? She says, keep what serves you, leave what doesn't. So starting out with this box, what have I learned about my sexual desire from the world around me? I mean, like think of the messaging, like what messaging have you received? Consider it, you know, no matter your gender, but like if you are a cis man, have you received messaging that your desire is dangerous and you are a pervert, you know? Um, or that women owe you things or that women owe you things or that you should try to conquer them like you know uh, if you're a woman did you receive messaging that like you owe it to someone who like rescues you you know to like fall in love with them or something Um, you know do you need to like fix the men around you because we are drilled it's drilled into us that women are more empathetic uh, which isn't always obviously necessarily the case (laughs) so what ideas did you what have you received? What messaging have you received? Uh, and the arrow goes to either, did these messages serve me well? Yes. Which would I like to keep? No. What messages can I replace them with? Um, so write out some new sexual influences that make you feel awesome and powerful. Uh, to go back to what have you learned from the world around you? Who in particular delivered this information? Who who taught you these influences? Was it TV? Was it teachers? Was it was it books you read? Like, consider the source. Was it good source information? Because if you grew up watching Family Guy and you're really confused about sexuality and consent and respecting people, that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane is a douche nozzle. <laughs> he so is. Um, so I overall, consider what messaging you received. Now, figure out why it's wrong (laughs) like with someone wanting to suck your toes I've talked about earlier I'm like oh well maybe my toes are dirty and then it goes to well if they don't care I shouldn't care so let that hang up go you know um or a guy's like oh I don't want to put something in my butt because then I'll feel weird because well why will you feel weird? Well, maybe I'm gay. Well, who? what is that bad? No. Oh, ta-da. You just like realize your thought processing where it's flawed. I think you should start there. <laughs> I agree. Um, question two. Sometimes when my depression is so severe that it's really overwhelming, my partner will start peppering me with questions. My best friend and her partner use a question. Are bananas ripe? to try to access her mental health at the moment and it lightens the mood. This way her partner knows to give her space without taking it personally and it's uplifting. I was curious if you had any suggestions about this. Man, I kind of love the art. Ban- I mean, I think that's actually... Really cute. Yeah, that's cute and that and that's really great and maybe a good way, almost like a safe word to gouge how mm-hmm. much your partner feels like. Sometimes you're fucking depressed and you don't want to talk. You, know, you don't want to talk about it and you just need some space and it's nothing personal. I know I get that way. Sometimes if mm-hmm. I'm in a mood or in a funk, it's there's nothing you can do to make me feel better. I just, it needs to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to talk about it. I 
was having a really rough time the other day and my child was driving me bonkers and I almost started to cry and I said, honey, I'm having a really hard time right now. Mommy's having a really hard day right now. And oh my God, she stopped and she went and got me a blanket. She's Aww. like, here, mommy, you can lay down and watch me play. And I was like, oh my God. But it connected with her in that way. So it's totally okay and it's good and you should tell the people around you and it could be as simple as, I'm having a really hard time right now. I need space. Yeah, and creating space for yourself for yourself is not shutting someone out. Yeah. You know, there's no. a difference. No. So um, it's not about them. Right. And that's really a bummer too with like going back to the messaging we received where <laughs> women are women receive messaging that you have to like fix and like address and rescue your partner so you're like they won't talk to me which yes is a problem absolutely mm. is a problem but also sometimes when someone doesn't want to talk to you you being like in their face about it makes it a lot worse <laughs> mm. so early on or whenever you can I fully recommend saying to your partner sometimes when I'm really struggling with my mental health I feel overwhelmed and I can't really signal that to you in the moment. Can we think of like a, a code phrase or a word or something so I can just let you know as like quickly and easily as possible? Um, yeah. Let's see. What would my phrase be? I think that sometimes, you know what? That can work both ways. You know how there's always uh, there's always this joke I, with men will ask women what's wrong and you go nothing. I mean, I've been guilty of doing that, like, because I just don't feel like talking about, like, yes, there's something. I wish there was a way, like, maybe you could also use that to signal that to, like, yes, there's something wrong, but I don't feel like talking about it right now. Mm -hmm. Like, give me some time to cool off a little bit mm -hmm. so I don't rip your head off mm -hmm. or say something I'm going to regret mm -hmm. later. I love that. So or bananas ripe. Like, bananas how, ripe. how ripe is your anger for me? <laughs> is it bursting? Do you want to feast, you know, sit on it for feast a little while? Do you want to sit on it? Um, let it grow <laughs> I will ask B now that I know it took a while because it sucked he didn't he didn't notice it he no here's the thing he noticed when his depression hits but he said in his previous relationship uh, she would usually get really angry and it was, would result in him like getting so drunk he'd pass out in the bathroom and her just being screaming at him because he couldn't vocalize that he was feeling depressed and like uncommunicative so it would snowball in that way um, so I started taking it really personally where I'm like, oh my God, he won't interact with me or my child. And like, he's not helping around the house and he's just laying in bed. And like, um, this was earlier in the relationship. It was the first big downturn. And we, we finally figured out, I was like, oh my God, you're going through periods of like cycles of depression. This is normal. This is a thing that starts to happen when the excitement phase of the relationship wears off and people go back to you know their norms right. <laughs> like it's not dopamine all the time so now what I say to him I'm like are you having one of those days and he's like yeah similar as that I'm like yeah. okay it's nothing personal it's not about you it doesn't mean they're you're miserable in your life you just might be miserable that day mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah so um I love that picking a phrase I love that too mm-hmm hey friends do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburnt? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. 
Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. So welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. Thanks for following us on Instagram, Strange Bedfellows PDX. We are on strangebedfellowspdx.com. Our bonus content is patreon.com forward slash strangebedfellows. No PDX on that. <laughs> uh, have you heard about this organization that's been around for some decades? It's the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement. Um, I have heard about this. <laughs> started in a guy, by a guy who lives in Oregon. The Voluntary Human Extinction Movement isn't a group that you pay in to be a part of. It seems like more of a philosophy. <laughs> yeah, it's a philosophy that the world is overpopulated. We've caused a lot of problems in the environment. Um, and we could do our best service to the earth by slowly dying out. And it's voluntary because all you do is adopt this philosophy and stop breeding. <laughs> um, and you you don't kill anyone. You don't kill yourself. You just let nature take its course. Um, Les Unite is the guy who started this, but he doesn't like being called the founder. Uh, he says that we're all a part of this movement. Um he gave the name to a philosophy or worldview. Uh, the website is vhemt.org. There's some questions on here. We have children. Can we still join? Today's children are tomorrow's destiny. <laughs> Our children have the potential for achieving the awareness needed to reverse civilization's direction and begin restoring Earth's biosphere. Most could use our help in realizing their full potentials. <laughs> Ah, so I, I don't think there's anything like bad or good about this. I think it's kind of like neutral. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. I mean, it, in a weird way, it makes a lot of sense to me. I've chosen not to have kids for many reasons. But part of me, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Like part of me does think that I would be really scared about bringing a kid into like what kind of fucking world would we be? Are, I mean, you must be terrified as a parent. Like what the fuck? What the fuck is this world going to be like in 40, 50 years? Like, I feel guilt sometimes for injecting a life into all of this shit because she's such a kind-hearted little thing. And sometimes when I tuck her in, I think of all the crap that I've had to deal with and just thinking of all of that piled on and stretched out over her little lifetime really makes me sad. <laughs> I mean, it is sad. Maybe I just hope that the bad people die off. <laughs> well, I mean, thing, <laughs> things like in social terms are getting a lot better. Like, look, this is the best time, like, 
in relative history to be alive because it was the fucking bubonic plague 600 years ago that's true <laughs> and the conquistadors and we people have always been killing each other and warring now the problem is that technology is added to it and we're destroying the earth's yeah biosphere and we're melting glaciers and the earth is actually dying because the food chain is falling apart because the oh, insects it's so hard to talk about this stuff because i get like really upset and like, yeah really well, do it for our listeners. Amounts of anxiety yeah. around it. Um, fuck, I remember. Well, you're not having kids, so thank you. I'm not, even though <laughs> that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the weird you get, I've always said I didn't want kids, and now I'm like with somebody, I'm like, maybe it wouldn't be terrible to have a kid with you. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that such a shit? Because I yeah, felt the I same know. way I'm when like, I got with me. B. I was like, I'm in love with you, but I already have one. But yeah, I don't know. have one and I don't think it's possible for me anymore. But it's, you know, you're saving the is. earth. You're saving the earth. There you go. But I remember. To, so right after um, right. I believe it was like a couple days after Trump was elected and there were all these protests downtown. Um, and I was and I remember, I remember talking those. to this walking away from one of the riots within just chatting with this stranger walking over the Morrison Bridge. And looking at him, we were talking about, you know, it's like fucking all like the just the shock, visceral shock of that election. And mm. I remember looking at him just being like starting to cry. And I was like, I'm going to miss animals so much. Oh, my God. Like it just I don't yeah. know. I was like that was like they're all going to fucking die. Like, <laughs> well, you know, and it just um, I don't know. It's people. I feel like there's been some papers published recently about people's feeling like climate change depression not just because of the change in our atmosphere but, but because we are tied yeah, to the natural scared. world whether you live in a city mm -hmm. or not mm -hmm. you know and it's um and what's happening is not normal or good mm -mm. Oh, um, it's very scary so uh, i wonder if like there's there's lots of biodiversity like correlates also with maybe a loss of identity within ourselves oh too, probably maybe, you know well if you ever want to join uh vehement, vehement i think i'm already a member <laughs> yeah <laughs> well they said their efforts uh encouraging human peaceful human extermination uh are to fight the horrors of production and use of weapons toxic production petrochemical and nuclear exploitation of natural and human resources promotion of reproductive fascism and so on so feel free to join. Uh, all you have to do is just make the decision to not breed. There you go. There you go. Um, is R. Kelly being charged yet by the time this episode comes oh, out? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I know his, didn't his manager just got charged with some shit? I guess I just wanted to rant about R. Kelly. Because <laughs> um, we never did that. So first off, I want to make a general call out to people in the Portland area. If you are hearing this and you have access to the Lifetime Movie Network and let me come over and watch this fucking Oh, I thought it was going to be an actual call out. No, then please let me do that because I want to see it so bad and I don't have cable <laughs> like that. I don't have the Lifetime Movie Network and that's I who put either. this out. Uh, but um, R. Kelly is a long documented piece of shit yeah. and it really pisses me off that he's still such a strip club staple. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing his fucking songs in there for strip clubs for 20 something years and the guy is a garbage person and shouldn't be equated with sexy yeah he's a long time you know? uh teenage young adult adult abuser manipulator uh do you dance to i you know what i want to hear no, from you i don't if you dance to r kelly well i want to hear a listener is there any any of you out there still play him in the club i want to know right why and that's how. true yeah i want to hear like, about what it. am i not getting about this 
So uh, nothing. Well, but here's the other thing too, and I'm gonna upset someone with this one. But Michael Jackson probably slept with children in his bed. I don't fucking listen to his shit. I either. know, but I hear Michael Jackson a lot, and David yeah. Bowie definitely had sex with 14 year olds when he was uh. in his twenties. So it's a you know this is why because. Like I still dance to a David Bowie song. I actually haven't done it in like because I didn't do God, it for a I long time. I have him time. tattooed on my arm. This is where I reveal myself to be the self-righteous hypocrite that <laughs> I totally am. But it makes for good episode. <laughs> that is true. But you know, but this is why. But this is why because we're so connected and attached to people. And like I don't have an attachment to R. Kelly. I didn't grow up with it. I'm not black. I'm not older. But like people, they're coming of age was so R. Kelly like. People got pregnant to R. Kelly. You know, people sang this shit to their kids. They played it at their parties. Can you just listen to Genuine or something? Sure, you totally can. And I will, but not R. Kelly. God, he's a fucking asswipe. He's horrible. And Aaliyah was so rad. Who were some of his other girlfriends? I don't know. Aaliyah was the one that that I remember that he was connected to for Aaliyah, a while. I and think he married like, when she was like 16. He was 25. She was younger than that. Okay. I well think they she, like initially hooked up when she was like 14 or 15. Yeah, probably. she was very young. Um, And then she died in a plane crash when she was like 21, 22. Yep, I remember that too. So she can't speak out. But uh, yeah, good times are Kelly. So if you still dance to it, maybe don't. Um, I'm going to stop probably... <sighs> It's that one fucking David Bowie song. Yeah, I should see again. It's like, what are you going to do? Cover your tattoo? Yep. This is where we reveal ourselves. So it's all about decisions. Um, I'll I'll stop dancing to David Bowie. That's even easy for me. This is why I never get tattoos of banned people. <laughs> <laughs> um, who who's Jamie Claus? Oh, oh. um. Yeah, I I was interested. Okay, so did did you read the article? This person drew just a really um a really great. So right now there's um what's happening right now, and this will probably come out in a couple weeks. Um, and maybe people will still be talking about this, but I think the sentiment still really important is there are these two th- simultaneously things happening um, in American culture this week. It's one is um Jamie Kloss, who was the teenager who this fucking total piece of shit broke into her house and violently killed her parents and kept her as a sex slave under his bed for three months before she was rescued. Her story is so violent and so sad. Oh my God. And so fucking terrible. And simultaneously happening, um, two is this Gillette commercial has just come out. That's really, it's not offensive. It's not an anti-man commercial. It's just that, you know, kind of men do better kind of attacking i think in mm-hmm. a very tasteful and fairly subtle a way a lot of people saw attacking that toxic masculinity i actually cheered incel, up <laughs> incels are fucking enraged their men are so fucking mad about this gillette commercial um hold on let me see if i can find uh so while you're looking for that this article yeah talk about that yeah go ahead um i like i know that the people who do advertisements are smart and they have their finger and they understand that social issues are hot right now which is fine great good get them out there and they're gonna profit off of them any way they can that's fucking fine it's a commercial that i was so actually happy to see and i teared up a little bit and of course guys were pissed about it oh and of course women were pissed about it too (laughs) i wonder if any women who went to the women's marches anywhere 
recently were angry about the Gillette ad. I wonder I wonder where. No, because there's nothing to be fucking mad about. <laughs> but listen, okay, so here's the quote I was looking for. So the, this woman talks, she spends a paragraph talking about how she sees in her mind uh, Jamie's dying mother clutching her in a bathtub and all this stuff. And she goes, I can't stop seeing it. Neither should you. Instead, the basement-dwelling incels of America are furious about an ad for razors that asks men to step up in the fight against sexual harassment and assault. Some will say these things, too, aren't related. I disagree. If nothing else, the sheer volume of responses from men show which of these things matters more to them, mm. or at least which one they were more comfortable talking about. Um, Amy Monticello. Yeah, I mean, that, that really... That really got to me. It really got to you. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true because I looked at this and I was like, Jamie Kloss, that sounds familiar. But I knew more about the Gillette ad too because yeah, there was a much bigger reaction to it from specific audiences. And those are uh, cisgender, hetero, white male audiences that usually end up in my inbox. <laughs> I mean, get your fucking priorities right. Um, Nobody's trying to emasculate little boys. And I guess, yeah, it doesn't. It's wait, not, say that line again. What, nobody's or, trying to uh, emasculate little boys. And yeah, I mean, I get that sometimes it can be tiring to be lectured by a company that's ultimately just trying to make money off of you. But the big but the big picture here, I mean, she's right. This is what this is what many men are getting fucking upset about. You know, yeah. like this is. The like, only on. there was only one scene in that entire commercial and somebody please just go to YouTube and watch it if you haven't already if you feel like it. Uh, there was one scene in that commercial that I was like, oh, I bet someone's going to get upset about this. And I feel like it's a gray area. At the very end, there's two little boys wrestling and one of the dads is like, come on, boys, stop. And I'm like, well, wrestling's not inherently bad. They just they were indicating like don't necessarily always let your kids play rough to like where they're hurting mm. each other and okay. I get that so I think I bet there were dudes that might have made it to the end and were like already feeling like oh this is a personal attack on my masculinity and then they saw that at the end where they were like what boys can't play rough at all I wonder if that put but they in. must be so conflicted because isn't wrestling with other boys gay and <laughs> to be gay is like the worst thing for Remember For my, those types of dudes. <laughs> I was, oh, their minds are exploding right now. I thought oh. it really funny because I walked past my neighbor that I don't like with the aggressive dogs, who's the old war vet with all the flags. And he was like, fuck you, Kaepernick. Kiss my white oh, veteran God. ass, whatever. So I walked pa I was walking my dog the other day and I could see through his curtain that he had um, wrestling on. And I thought, of course you do. <laughs> Fucking of course you do. Because, oh, it's fine. That's how... Look, that's how boys can touch each other when they have repressed homoerotic yeah, urges. I mean, They're gonna want to do it's it. Wrestling is fucking fine, and that's also a sport. You know, it's a it's a sport, and people want to touch each other. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. gay. It's not always sexual. Anything. It just no totally. Is. But again, yeah. with a sport, there's like rules and consent and boundaries and stuff, mm. which we don't. <laughs> teach children when they play so that's true um but yeah the commercial overall was good there was definitely the scene at the at the boardroom table real quick where the guy at the head is like i think what she really means is to the one female at the table and then he you puts know, his I hand on her shoulder literally had had that so, had someone had do that. that to me in class several times getting my econ degree i think what she was trying to say jesus fucking christ yeah yeah no i was a i yeah, literally that exact same thing. Like my favorite story was still being at a restaurant and watching my server do it to no other table except for me who was sitting alone 
no other table. And all the other tables were couples and men. Didn't touch anybody else on the shoulder. None of the other women who were with the men. None of the other men who were with the men. Probably none of the men, if they were sitting alone, did it to me. And I called them out. It's like, don't fucking do that to me. Did you do that to anybody else? Yeah, that's why I cried when I watched that damn Razor commercial. For the same reasons that people get pissed because they are those guys. I remember there was something... Oh, I probably shouldn't tell the story because I can't remember the exact details of it. <laughs> but recently I was like out like meeting somebody or doing something with the guy that I'm seeing while he was visiting. And whatever dude we were talking to like spoke directly to him and shook his hand and like mm, fucking mm-hmm. ignored, ignored me you. like mm-hmm. I wasn't even there. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool. Like, mm-hmm. did you see happens. that? And I was like, I was like, did you, you saw that, right? Did you notice? Did you notice that? Like, mm-hmm. Hmm. did he no nope they <laughs> rarely do yeah and, and that's another and thing too lucky, your dude friends like, won't necessarily notice it well i mean yeah they don't it's not within i don't know i mean i i really try to cut the dude i'm dating some slack because he is pretty he tries to be very woke he is a pretty like woke gentle and kind person whose heart is in the right place and i really don't want to shit on him and I don't want to like do the like oh but he's white man or bad but, but he's, he's been you know, limited yeah, in his perspective it's, a, it's an experience I think it's a probably a point of view that most men have or may you know Very lots limited. of things and I'm sure just like there's lots of things that happened to POC friends of mine that I wouldn't pick up right away until they pointed it out to me because I've just never been discriminated against like that in my daily life. Well, and there's things that happen to men that women aren't aware of either. Like I never even thought that this was a thing until I've had men write to me and say, my girlfriend, my wife, whatever, like immediately will want to fuck in the morning. I haven't even peed and she'll hop on my dick and it really hurts me and she'll get really mad if I want to stop to go to the bathroom. And they feel sexually assaulted and pressured that way. I was like, holy shit, I never thought of Or I'm sure black men who are like fetishized by women or that women are afraid of them yeah you know that's got to be hard right totally yeah so there's a lot of things that a lot of us are limited by but that's like the time where if you get close enough to someone you're like time to learn (laughs) you want to hear um something that kind of breaks my heart so my the guy that i was dating was telling me like he's he's like really really nice the crappy guy the crappy guy before no this this guy oh this the guy the nice guy, guy the one we like yeah, yeah. One, the one we like yeah. um was telling like he's really very 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 nice and very very patient with people and we were kind of talking about it because i'm like you're way nicer than me like i you know i don't usually have a lot of problem telling somebody no where fools. to go um and he said that he has that he's learned to be that way i guess kind of as a defense mechanism because he's he's like i know i look like a douchebag like i'm a really Mm. nice you know i'm an Mm. attractive blonde Mm -hmm. guy people expect me Mm -hmm. to be and he's well dressed vapid douche Mm -hmm. you know so i've had to learn to be nice and that like breaks my heart no that's great yeah do it yeah no do it have that sensitivity yeah Yeah, because yeah that's a responsibility it's like spider-man but it's, you know, it still, like, kind of hurts me that, like, he, he is, like, a genuinely nice, like, he's a nice person. I'm like, why would anyone just want to be nasty to him? Just Because they're scared want, because they have a long threatened. history of people looking like him being yeah. douches. Yeah. So that's, like, his responsibility to that. Yeah. Oh, good times. Well, thanks to everybody who unpacked all of that with us. That was fun. Uh, follow me on Instagram unless they've kicked me off at stripper writer or at L underscore Stanger. My website is lstanger.com or stripperwriter.com. However, it is marked as a 
porn site for some reason. <laughs> so, well, I say for some reason. It links to my phone sex thing now, but it didn't for years and it was still marked as a porn site. So whatever, fuck the man. But <laughs> so it won't pop up in the gym, but it won't put any weird shit on your computer either. I have articles go. and stuff on there. Uh, write to us, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. And thank you, Jen. Thank you. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com. 